Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus. Our sermon text for this morning is Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter. And I read just the ninth verse here. Blessed are the peacemakers, because they will be called sons of God. So far the word. Now, all my children who are old enough to be asked, and my kids are 10 and younger, uh, you know, they get the question, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And maybe some of you children here today get asked that a little bit, and I'm not sure always how committed they are to their answers, but uh, I think all my kids at some point said they wanted to make video games when they grew up. <laughs> and that's maybe a common one. And I, I'm not the sort of guy to crush hopes and dreams or anything like that, or discourage, I don't want to you know, do that, but I do point out that making video games is different than playing video games. And I think that is an important thing to bear in mind. Because uh, it's easy maybe for them playing it to think, well, that must be what it's kind of like. Actually, sometimes in the news, even the video game makers get bad press because there is actually a lot of uh, work and grind to meet the deadlines to get video games done. So it isn't a you know, simple, fun task necessarily. But just like making video games is different than playing them, our lesson today, I think if we really take it to heart, we should realize that, as it talks about being a peacemaker, that making peace is different than enjoying or having peace. And it's... Uh, you know, we could all say, like, well, maybe I haven't started a war or anything like that. I've been pretty peaceful. But have we been peacemakers? And that's a little bit of a potential disconnect in our lives, I think, when we take this text and map it onto our lives. But as we have Pentecost this Sunday, I hope we can, in connection with Jesus' words here, and thinking about the lessons we just read, uh, consider how Pentecost really helps make us into peacemakers too. Now, what I just read here for our sermon text is from the Beatitudes. So that's on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has some, some statements that he begins with, blessed are, and... Um, there seems to be kind of a progression in those. Early on, it's stressing, blessed are like the poor in spirit, uh, for theirs is the kingdom, or blessed are uh, the, those who mourn and they'll be comforted. They, at the beginning, they talk about blessed are the people that lack something because God is going to give it to them, take care of things. And the later ones, and like the one we have here, one of the last, it stresses there's a shift in now the Christian life and the responses that, that should result from that, that connection between what we've received from God and our response to it. And I want to mention, you know, blessing or blessed or things like that, they're kind of a, a word that as Christians, it's easy to kind of sort of say, you know, blessing or I feel blessed or things like that and not really think, what does this word 
mean? It can almost become a cliche. Uh, and really, we're blessed, as we have it here in the New Testament uh, with the Greek. The idea is kind of like happy, but without kind of the vibes of yippy skippiness that come with our word for happy. Or it's kind of like how we say fortunate, but without sort of the baggage of kind of good luck attached to it. That's kind of what it's getting at. And so this is saying, this is, you know, you are well off, you're happy with these things occurring. And, as we've seen, we're going from uh, what God has done, the gaps he's filled into our lives, to now with peacemaking, uh, one of the results that comes about in our life of faith. And so that should kind of lead us to question, okay, well, how good are we in sort of the peacemaking department? Um, and again, with the Beatitudes and with uh, blessed are peacemakers, we all know that we haven't, you know, hopefully started a war or something. But Jesus' audience also were regular people. Since this is the Sermon on the Mount, it's not like he's talking to the emperor or anything like that. He's talking to plain people, people like you and me, and is saying that in some respect, we can live out our lives as peacemakers. And then, as we bear that and think about our lives, I think we can all find areas and gaps where we haven't quite lived up to that you know, peacemaking ideal. And I think the rub comes in is the peace that we enjoy is the peace when we are kind of the total victor in things. It's not a, hey, let's kind of work things out. It's, you know, I kind of want to win. That sort of a peace. And that's not going to be uh, the greatest and most helpful, uh, kindest peacemaking. And what I'm saying is sometimes maybe if we have an argument or dispute, maybe at work or something like that, uh, the goal tends to be, I want to win. I want to have my way. Rather than, you know, how can I see things from this other person's perspective too? Maybe talk about it and work through it in a, in a positive way. This sort of stuff happens all the time in, in marriage and can lead to problems too. You know, when there's a little conflict or dispute, do I want to, is my goal to win the argument or to reconcile and truly make peace keeping that other person in mind? I think we can bear in mind times in our lives where we've fallen short in that regard and have just wanted kind of victory at all costs. But then there's kind of the other end of things. You know, sometimes maybe someone is being spoken ill of or maybe being bullied or something like that, and maybe we should be speaking up and we should try to nudge someone in the right direction, and then at those times we kind of want to lay low. And of course, Jesus doesn't say, you know, blessed are those who lay low. Uh, that would kind of make it easier on us a lot of times. He doesn't do that. And I think there's the third way that we kind of bungle up peacemaking. Um, and that's, you know, nowadays what you'd call being passive-aggressive, right? That it's kind of like the Cold War equivalent of peacemaking, where it's like, well, I'm not technically, you know, at war with you, but maybe I'm subtly upset about something, and I'm going to subtly try to get that across to you. And of course, being in a cold war with someone is also not the same as being at peace and being a peacemaker. And so when we bear that in mind, you know, there's all sorts of ways. Uh, and what drives our failures at peacemaking 
and what drives that passive aggression is kind of the same thing. It's our selfishness and our ego and our desire to be right all the time. And that is, well, or it can be our inability sometimes to be uh, kind of chill about other people's mistakes because we don't come to grips with, well, how many times have we needed forgiveness? And we like forgiveness, but sometimes we don't like giving that forgiveness out too. So when our ego is in the driver's seat and our desire to win or be number one, well, that's when, that's when the peacemaking has, has problems getting done. Now, Jesus puts a big attachment to peacemakers when he says they will be called sons of God. He doesn't say they are going to be in a sense of um, we're not going to somehow become divine or like Jesus in that respect, but we'll be called sons of God. And that should raise a question of, okay, what does it mean to be you know, God's children? In other places in the Bible, we do have being adopted into God's family and things like that too. But I don't know that that's quite what this particular passage is getting at. Because uh, one other relationship that's important with being a son, a child, is that often, uh, like a son, would take over the father's business. And sometimes you have that today too. Uh, we see that in Jesus' time where we had Zebedee and the sons of Zebedee, they were all fishermen. And so I think here when it's saying they'll be called sons of God, as peace, if we're peacemakers, it's getting at we are going to participate in the family business when we are peacemakers. And that's a great comfort because it shows that you know all this peacemaking stuff, uh, Jesus is actually the model for it. It's not go and be peacemakers. It's, hey, Jesus has done this great peacemaking for us and that motivates us and helps us to go about peacemaking ourselves. Because Jesus really was the ultimate peacemaker. Um, uh, we always remember on Christmas where the angel comes and talks about peace on earth and that peace is in our relationship with God that's mended through Jesus. And he did it by being, on the one hand, perfect in our place. He, he didn't um, you know, have the same ego problems that we did uh, that, that keep us from being true peacemakers. Instead, he made himself a servant. He came in this earth and lived in lowliness, was flawless in that, to give us that uh, perfect record and have that count for us. He, you know, could have, uh, God could have had war against us and he could have, you know, zapped us and all that sort of thing. We, we had that coming, but he, he sent Jesus because he wanted to make peace instead. And he gave Jesus the punishment and put that on him on the cross so that from the cross he could take our sins away and give us true peace each and every day knowing our sins are forgiven. And of course with his resurrection, he having risen from the dead gives us true peace because we know eternal life, a resurrection of our own, that's what's coming to us because he has made peace with us and God. There's nothing keeping us uh, away from that relationship with him. He's accomplished it all. And death itself is conquered and taken care of us uh, through Christ. So now we, uh, in him, have peace with God. 
And now that brings us around to Pentecost. The peace is brought to us as in the Acts account that we read. He says, repent, be baptized, you receive the forgiveness of sins. The Holy Spirit brings us that by working faith in our hearts and coming to us in baptism in the Word. And on Pentecost, this is all related with this peacemaking um, passage of Jesus. Because in Pentecost, we see a wonderful example of how the disciples, how the apostles go about peacemaking. Uh, they preach to the people, and on the one hand, if you noticed in there, he, he, he mentions, uh, he uses the word you and connects them with killing Jesus. And instead of saying, you killed Jesus, this Jesus whom you killed, so I want nothing to do with you. Instead, these people that were involved, some of them, with Jesus' crucifixion, he wants to reconcile back to Christ, back to God, and build peace by preaching the gospel message. So even those that, sh that had been most opposed to Jesus, these disciples want to make peace with them. And the other thing that's very interesting about this account is this miracle of languages that happens with the Holy Spirit. Now it bears saying that in the, the, the Greek and Roman world at that time, uh, there, a lot of people would have been able to speak the Greek language. And so it is likely they probably could have still communicated in, in Greek itself. But the people are, after all, all these people are coming to Jerusalem, and um, they had to be able to communicate with people to kind of do stuff, just like if you go visit another country. Either they got to know English, or you got to know their language, or you're going to have a tough time. These people are there, they presumably could talk. But in the lesson, in the Acts account, they specifically point out they're speaking to us in our own language. And these are likely people, because they're for the festival there, people who um, were Judeans who had been scattered abroad or people abroad who had converted. And now they're here and they see these languages being spoken to them. And it is to show us, I think, that this gospel message is intended for not only all different people, but that they're doing this to reconcile and build a bridge to these different groups of people that had been scattered and had come back. And that connects, I think, a great deal to us as peacemakers. Because it bears saying that when we're talking to someone about Jesus, when we're you know, having that conversation, they're going to be different from us. They're going to have all sorts of different views. They're going to have different backgrounds, maybe different political views, maybe different viewpoints on COVID or something like that too. And we have to be able to look at them in the eyes and see that these are other people that Christ died for, and they're the ones that we are here to talk to and be peacemakers with, telling them about Jesus and making that connection for them with God's word in their lives. So it's difficult, but when we bear in mind this peacemaking task of ours, we also bear in mind it's because Jesus has been the ultimate peacemaker for us already, restoring us to God. And so, you know, as I said before with the making of video games, uh, it is different. Uh, from playing them.
But I think probably a lot of people do go into making video games if they enjoy playing them themselves. And it's not necessarily an either or. And I think that's true with peace too. That it doesn't, it's not an either or definitely. We've seen how we enjoy peace because of what Christ has done for us in saving us, dying on the cross and giving us heaven. And now we get to be part of that family business. He doesn't leave us on the sidelines. And he helps us to go out and be peacemakers for other people. All the while, knowing how we enjoy peace that we have in Jesus and the forgiveness and the eternal life he's given us. Amen.